Welcome to episode number four of the Librarian's Guide to Teaching podcast. I'm Jessica. And I'm Amanda. And on today's episode, we have librarian Ramel Espinel as our guest. And we're going to be talking about critical librarianship and social justice and how it can be used in our library instruction. So before we get started with our interview, um, how are you doing? Anything exciting going on this week? I'm doing good. Yeah, uh, things are uh, moving along. So I am the co-chair of our um, Library Association's uh, regional conference um, that we have every year in January. And uh, things are progressing. We, um, we have our keynote. Um, he did this really great documentary about um, scholarship. It's called The, the Paywall. Um, hmm. I'm trying to think of the rest of the name of it, but um, it, it's, I think it's shaping up to be um, a really great keynote. I think it's going to align with our theme this year, and we have a really great set of um, breakout sessions, you know, and it's really nice because it's our colleagues in the local area, so it's really nice to see everyone come together and uh, share their knowledge um, um, in this, you know, small I mean, it's not that small. It's about 300 people, but smaller, um, you know, conference. Yeah, it's always great. I miss going to that conference from working <laughs> in Jersey. But, you know, New York has our stuff, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what's going on with you? Uh, speaking of professional development, I actually have some fun stuff coming up this week. So I'm excited for that. Uh, tomorrow, our teaching and learning commons department is running an innovative assignment webinar. So I'm going to attend that. Uh, virtually. And then on Friday, I'm going to an ACRL New York discussion group about making the best of the one-shot session. So I'm really interested in that because that's mostly what I teach. So uh, I'm hoping to get some interesting information and motivation in that discussion. So lots of cool professional development coming up. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, so let's get into a quick bio of Ramel. Uh, Ramel Espinel is the Web Services Librarian at the Samuel C. Williams Library at Stevens Institute of Technology, where he primarily manages the library's digital assets and implements emerging technologies. In addition to this role, he teaches information literacy classes and workshops. His research interests and praxis are in the areas of critical pedagogy and thinking and user experience. In the fall of 2019, he became an adjunct professor in the College of Arts and Letters. Uh, Ramel is also a dear friend of mine. We've been working for uh, together through our local library association for several years, and we also worked together at Berkeley College many, many moons ago. He was actually um, the person who trained me on my first day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, without further ado, Ramel Espinel. All right, welcome, Ramel. Thank you for coming to talk to us. Thank you for having me. This is great. I listened to the last two episodes, so I, I prepared myself. So. Oh, awesome. <laughs> oh, thanks. Thanks for being a listener. We, yeah, we yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys have a nice rapport. It's really nice. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> yeah, we, we previously did this um, on an internal podcast, so we kind of have a little bit of experience of the, the back and forth banter. Mm -hmm. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, awesome. yeah. 
So, so let's jump right into um, our questions um, and our interview today. So can you talk a little bit uh, for our, our audience about how you interpret uh, critical librarianship and how social justice is a part of all of that? Um, that's a, that's a, the $60,000 question. Um, well, for critical librarianship for me is just an extension of critical pedagogy. Um, and just kind of like how I've always approached teaching, which is, which is how do you, you know, uh, match up the content that you teach in your class to the real world, and and so that and how do you teach critical thinking skills so that you don't um, it doesn't become an isolated you know isolated content that's not used in the real world, um, and 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 to make it kind of like it, the social justice part of that is so that it becomes very clear kind of using those critical thinking skills to. Um, see the world in a much different light and hopefully be able to confront the inequities that exist in society um, from from knowing that kind of uh, re those realities that exist. Um, critical librarianship is interesting because, you know, for the most part, all of us do these one shots or, you know, smaller section classes. And so it becomes uh, a challenge to, you know, you know, the, uh, a challenge of what you can do over the long period because there is no long period. It's just very short unless you have a semester long class. Um, so that, you know, like it, it, you know, so what you have to try to figure out is either number one, you don't do one shots or number two, uh, you know, like maybe you could have multiple sessions or you could have, you know, try to figure out what's the most important aspects of what you can teach in the class. And, you know, um, that's actually been really liberating for me because I think, you know, when, when I started teaching uh, librarianship, you know, say uh, information literacy, it, be, it was really about, you know, like teaching all this stuff and, and being like, wow, we're really throwing a lot of things at students and how are they ever going to retain that information? Mm -hmm. And number two, that, you know, it, the, the, and, and another point is that, you know, we were just kind of like banking you know, in just a very Fourierian kind of analysis, you know, we were just taking what we knew as information and banking into students and crossing our fingers and hopefully hoping that students would retain that information. And, we, you know, like in reality, they're not really going to do it unless they do it in a critical thinking kind of way. And hopefully if you get them interested, and I know from a personal perspective, say like a person of color, you know, like it, things that interest me had to do with like the real world, what was going on in the real world. And, you know, if you can put it in those kind of contexts, I always find it's more interesting for students and um, they can relate to it a little bit better. So that's why. Yeah, that's a great definition. That's really, um, really interesting. And I definitely like the idea of how you can kind of marry those two things together, how, you know, critical librarianship is critical thinking and then, um, social justice is using that critical thinking to see the world differently. That's sure. a, a nice way to connect those together. So I guess taking that definition a step further, um, you know, you already mentioned how one shots can be challenging and things like that. Do you have some examples of how you've implemented these two concepts into your teaching? Yeah. So um, I think at Stevens, if I, you know, if I, you know, at my current job, um, you know, like what we've come down to, I've, you know, like, you know, like what, it, what it's come down to is really just having an exercise and then say having someone search. It's always about like, say, you know, like I, I always hated the demonstrations 
you know, that we would have to do, you know, because that right there, you know, is actually, you know, uh, something critical for me as a, uh, as a librarian and doing critical librarianship and understanding the powers that be that control everything. I always really felt really compromised that I was demonstrating things uh, that I wasn't getting paid for. You know, I don't get paid for by Elsevier or one of these EBSCO or any of these databases to be up there kind of like a show, you know, like a game show person. <laughs> like, hey, look at this, you know, look at these, look at these great databases. So, um, and another aspect of that was that as, as also a person that does user experience um, and understands user experience in that people, libraries spend so much money say whether it be someone hired specifically like myself uh, to do user experience, why are we showing people the library website? Yeah, let's say a, li a website and demonstrating how to use it. They know how to use websites, especially our young generation of students that have been using websites forever. Um, so it's, it's just, um, and that's a very, really important part of my teaching is that I wanna learn from the students and what they know, you know, like, and I think a lot of times, Librarians don't take the time out to understand what students know coming into the classroom. And so I think that's a, a big, um, something really important for say a critical pedagogy or a critical librarian perspective is how do we incorporate students' knowledge into the learning community, which is a classroom, whether it be a one shot or a semester long, how do we incorporate their knowledge so that everyone's kind of like learning at the same time. And so in my uh, classes, a lot of times I use uh, and I'm not going to say the product, which uh, it's uh, audience response systems because I'm not getting paid by them. Um, and, uh, so I use audience audience response systems for kind of like, kind of just like basically a demo, you know, like I give them a subject, an author to them to search for, and then they kind of like fill out these responses. And I want to see, you know, if they can do the search. I never show them how to do the library's page. Like they just go to, you know, the library website. And I, you can see that they can find the things if they understand what the keywords are, what the subjects are, um, say if they're searching for an author and stuff. So um, I think that was that was like key. I, I developed that like a year and a half ago. Um, that I was just like, oh, you know what? I'm not going to do demonstrations anymore. You know, like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna try this out and see where what the students do. And it, the great thing about that is that you have some great kind of like discoveries, you know, like uh, you might you might misstate a question and then think about correcting it, but then, you know, and how you find out whether you kind of messed up that question is that people start asking you, what do you mean by this question? Mm. But then I was gonna go correct that one question and then I was just like, nah, you know what, I'm not gonna fix it because that could be a moment of scaffolding, you know, formative assessment, because I'm sure everybody else is gonna ask that question. You know, or, you know, like, um, and the question, the, the question is really, uh, uh, it's like second to last question. It's just like, what are the formal differences between the two articles that you found? So the question students always is just like, what do you mean by formal differences? And so um, I just, you know, then I stopped the class and be like, well, if you're looking at both articles and, you know, what are the, the differences that, that you can see? And so they kind of like break it down on their own and stuff like that. They've already done it on the, you know, on the audience response system. So I can always check back and see how they're answering and stuff. But, um, but we have that discussion in class, which is really great. So um, that's just like the critical thinking parts. I don't know if that answered the question, but, but I, yeah, I think that's how I, I, you know, those are some of the ways that 
I try um, getting people to think in class and stuff. Hmm. You know, it's it's such a small thing that, you know, you're talking about um, not doing the demos and uh, considering, you know, prior knowledge and engaging the students, but I, I can hear other librarians now and saying like, what do you, well, that's going to ruin my whole presentation or that's going to throw my, my, my whole, you know, presentation off track. How do I, how do I prepare for that? Sure. Um, so I think sure. a lot of librarians might feel nervous to kind of go, go off script. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, and then like, so then that's, then the basic question there is, is like, what's the most important part of that class? Is it the discussion and the relationship that you're building with students as a librarian, or is it your content? You know, like, and I, I am of the firm believer that, that especially in first year experience, you know, first year experience, you know, like that's the mainly what we do at my school. Um, the experience that they have with me as someone that they can come to and be reliable is much more important than the content. Um, just be just because hopefully they'll see me one day at the, the research desk and do and be able to come to me because you know There's a lot of anxiety and intimidation that comes from you know to going up to someone and asking them how to search for something You know, especially when they have Google in their pocket or you know some kind of search engine yeah. So the relationships are really what I've, I've developed like even to the to, to, to the um, To the extent that I want to know people's names in one shots you know, like I'll have them write their nameplates and, you know, like, even though I'm may never retain that, but at least if, if there's silence in the class, I can call on, you know, say, you know, uh, John or, or Susan or something like that by name. And maybe later on, I will remember their names by that. But I think they would appreciate it more if we called them by their name as opposed to just pointing to them. Yeah, but, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, nobody likes to be called out. Even even as adults, no one likes yeah. to be called out. No, no. no, no. Uh, I, I think you bring up a really good point. And I think uh, just to, again, play the devil's advocate and the pushback, because I agree with you 100%, but uh, I think a lot of librarians might say, well, how do you strike a balance then to meet the faculty needs, um, meet your learning outcomes, and then also integrate this critical, um, you know, practices into your instruction? How can you get it all done in, in one session? Well, the Jedi mind trick is, <laughs> to have, is to have it built into your learning outcomes and the learning outcomes of the class itself. So, um, you know, like uh, the, the thing that I was speaking about, the, the discovery and, you know, going to the website, you know, first learning outcome, libraries will, uh, libraries, students will, will know or recognize the library's website. Well, how will they know and recognize the library's website? You can either demonstrate it or you can have them do it. Um, so then, you know, like, you know, what is the, you know, like I always think that the, probably the subtlest thing is that if you're going to do a search or have them search for something, you could do it on something that's relevant, you know, like, um, you know, whether it's vaccines, the anti-vaxxers or climate change. Climate change is huge. I mean, we're in this opportunity mm -hmm. where we could be like, there's a lot of really bad uh, information out there about climate change. and and, um, you know, like you should be trying to uh, be critical of any kind of information that comes from any kind of information source. So I think it's just kind of like built into, the, you know, learning outcomes. When you look at them, you know, how can you develop uh, ones where you can play with them that you're kind of 
covering all the, you know, kind of covering all the bases and stuff. And we work, you know, where, where I am, we work really closely with our faculty or our, uh, first year, um, 101 class, if you want to call it, um, just to, you know, make sure that these are the things that they want to learn. They kind of like, they have, um, luckily for that first year writing course, it's always something relevant to what's going on in the world right now. So, um, like this year, it's the topic is education. So all this, all those students are going to be writing about education. And so the readings that they're doing, I'm actually teaching one of those, one of those sections this year. So I know all the, the readings and stuff like that and those readings are already uh e101 uh you know say and i at, at where where i am it's cal it's called cal 103 but um you know if you're at you know fc 101 or english 101 uh all the all those um essays that they're reading for that class are all topical so the class is already kind of political so you mm -hmm. can kind of raise it and work with the with the with the professor to be like hey what are they researching and they'll be like this, like, okay, well, we can point them in this direction and, um, and be really critical about the, you know, where information comes from and how, how it's developed, you know, um, you know, really knowing that there's no mythical solution to, to uh, researching information, you know, it's a process. And that's the most important part. I, like actually a lot of, some of my Cal 103 classes, I write in big word process. You know, because it's all a process, whether it's your researching, whether it's your writing, it's all these, all this stuff is a process and you can't take it for granted that it just happens, you know, or, you know, like, and I think that's the myth of the internet, right? Is that, that you can just go there and get information, you know, and, and it's not just there. It's, you have to really, you know, like really dig in and figure out different tools that you can use. Um, so yeah, so it's, you know, it's all a process. Just a follow up, how much of a conversation do you have with faculty about the type of instruction you're gonna provide before you go in? Like, do you have a full length conversation with them saying, well, this is how I'm gonna run the class? Or, because I would think professors are very, they expect that demo kind of um, instruction from librarians. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know what, I, I think, um, you know, it's interesting because there may be one or two professors who are just like, you have to show them this, you have to show them that. And we don't have that much at Stevens. Like they, we've been integrated into that, those first year classes that they've kind of like, just, you know, like we're integrated into the actual classes, uh, uh, learning outcomes. So then our learning outcomes are like four things. And so we, um, you know, like we've had that discussion with the, say the leadership of the the E101 and, and or, you know, and so then they kind of like, that class is standardized anyway. Everybody's kind of like doing it the same way. Mm -hmm. So um, we've, we've established pretty good relationships with a lot of these professors because they've been there for a while and they, um, they just understand that we come in there with a session. Ramel, could you just share two to three tips for someone who really hasn't been doing these types of critical thinking exercises or incorporating social justice into their instruction, you know, maybe they're stuck in that um, lecture demo format and they want to try to embrace these things. What would be some practical tips to get started? Um, you know what, it's actually really interesting because I think, I think um, for, for a lot of librarians, like, um, and I don't know whether people are getting more instruction than I was when, when I left 
Um, and I was kind of lucky because at Pratt we had we had two people that were kind of constructed as active uh, um, active learning people. So um, so like I don't know how much practice they they gave in, but like I think they they um, need to practice and just doing exercises where where you can just hear people learning, um, and and trust that you know that the exercises that you might be giving them. Um, uh, might be working. They might fail. Um, I, it's okay to fail. Um, the lesson that I do now for the for my first year students um, has been in development, and it's kind of nice that I'm able to do the same thing for for uh, for the same class and just experiment and be like, okay, what works? Because you know, like I'm sure you know, like when I started teaching at Stevens. Um, when I started teaching at Stevens, you know, like I think I was going through kind of like the regular mill of kind of like uh, you know demonstration, showing showing slides. I, I think um, I think I you know I was probably at like twenty one, twenty two slides. Mm. You know, you know, like right now I'm at four. Whoa! You know, <laughs> like four slides, and one's an introduction, and one's a one's a, like a, a cover slide and the other one's uh just a links link slide so those other two slides are the activity and the activity and then the other one's just kind of like a remember like kind of sum up what we've gone over you mm -hmm. know and 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 that's only three points so um i think i think the the tendency for a lot of librarians is is kind of like oh, how am i going to throw everything in there and mm -hmm. believe me as a web services librarian you know, like, like, why, why don't we put this up there? Why don't we put that? It's just like, relax. It's, you have to make it as easy as possible. So I think simplifying your lesson to kind of the basic, the most important aspects um, is really important. I think it's, especially if you're in a, in a, in a one shot, like you're not going to be able to teach everything where they're going to retain that information. It's just not possible. So what's the most important thing? Well, the most important thing is, is like to have them do an activity where you can have a conversation. And so if you can build a, an activity that develops a conversation, um, that's probably one of the best things you can do. Um, and who knows, sometimes you, it, it's open-ended and it, 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 might not fit, you know, it, it might not finish, but at least you had the discussion and they got to know you and you got to know them and stuff like that. So I guess a, a follow-up question to that is, and obviously you said experimenting is fine so you'll probably have flops with this but how do you get quiet students talking because that's kind of been my experience sometimes is i try to get them to talk and you know they don't really want they they i don't know if it's sometimes they have library anxiety with me in the room i'm not their normal professor so like you said it's building the relationship in the moment at the same time as getting them talking about topics so would it just be bringing in topics that you think they might connect with you know how how's your experience with that been i think so too um i'm, I'm really interested with classroom silence uh silence i've been thinking mm -hmm. about writing something about that because is it that they're being quiet or, or 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 do we have anxiety about that silence you know because mm -hmm. because like should we just wait for someone to respond you know because someone's got to blink you know, like, and, and I bet you the tendency for most of us, and I know for me, I, I blink all the time. I'm like, all right, no one's going to answer. Let's, you know, like go to this. But, um, but I think there, there, there's, there's got to, you know, like, um, I think, um, like I said, I, one of the ways is trying to 
one way is like, okay, combat silence. Okay, so one way that I combat silence is just like waiting a little bit longer. It, it can drive some people a little bit crazy, but maybe somebody somebody will respond in that time period. Maybe people are processing, you know, um, and that's the other thing I think developing. That's why I, I ask for people's names, you know, because I know people don't like to be called out, but, you know, I'll be like, hey, I'll look at them and be like, hey, what do you think? Um, mm-hmm. You know, X. You know, you know, so <laughs> I don't, I, I don't want to just throw out anyone's name, but, um, but I think, you know, like developing those relationship and the demeanor, I mean, it always goes back to, you know, how you approach and respect students. And I think respecting students is really important. You know, like if they, if they get a vibe that you're patronizing them, they're not going to want to talk to you. Right. You know, and, um, you know, establishing a learning community, uh, in your classroom, even if it's a one shot is really important to be like, Hey, we're all going to learn from each other today. And so, like I said, in that, you know, the audience response system, but like, I don't use it just to, I especially don't use it to collect data, but I use it to show people that their ideas are important and they have similar ideas to everybody else. So even if they don't talk, you know, we can show, I can show them their ideas because their ideas are there. They've typed them out. And, and even though they, they haven't spoken, but I'd be like, oh, this is a really good idea. And maybe that'll make people um, speak a little bit more. So. I like that. I like using the technology to let them speak and yeah. bring their voices out. And then once you comment on what they've said, they'll feel more comfortable. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's, that's actually the, the, the principle, one of the ways I wanted to have their voices in the classroom. It was like, okay, well, we have this data of how they've answered the question. Well, let's put it up on the you know, board and, and without their names, you know, like without mm-hmm. their, you can do that with um, some of these systems without their names and just leave it as anonymous and be like, wow, that's a really good idea. You know? So that's kind of like, so it's all a mixture of ways, you know, like um, of, you know, trying to get people to speak because, and I think there's just, there's also just sometimes classes that are going to be harder than others. We, we have to be, you know, uh, we, we can't not take away that a lot of these students have gone through um, an education system that, you know, like might only teach them how to like stay quiet, learn the information, copy, copy the information, take a quiz on it, take a standardized quiz, uh, test, and, and that's all they're required to do. Um, mm. Hopefully it's not that way in a lot of places still, but... But um, you can see that some people, a lot of students are trained to do, uh, to be that way. Mm. Yeah. And teachers are too. I mean, and librarians. Right. Yep. Amanda, you want to ask that last question? Sure. So we have one more question for you, which is, um, what, um, what are you most curious about in this? Uh, topic. What are you researching or um, tweeting about or reading about with regards to uh, critical librarianship? Um, you know what? I, I am really interested right now in in learning outcomes, developing like learning outcomes that 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 places the students the student relationship with the librarian as a, as really important. Um, so, you know, from a place, say, like, of, like, empathy, critical thinking, and social mm-hmm. justice, and how can we kind of develop some kind of learning outcome, you know, that, that encompasses that as, instead of just, like, 
just skill based. Um, so, and I think a lot of times, you know, like our learning outcomes can be a little bit too much, you know, skill based. I know that's what they, they, you know they're expecting to, but um, and I, I know that um, some some professors would be like, "What do you mean by that?" You know, like um, say like uh, say like students will learn how to, you know, um, you know, critically think about um, information and how to use that information to say change the world. You know, mm -hmm. like that's grandiose, but I'm just like speculating. But I'm interested in seeing like how can we develop more socially conscious learning out outcomes and you know if not if not for the class and what you put on paper but just for myself you know mm -hmm. and i think i think that's always kind of like a uh you know critical issue for me it's just like okay so what what what, what do i want to develop at it from this class and what are the relationships that i want to develop you know depending upon you know what the course is and stuff Hmm. So, so I, I know that, you know, like this is the first year in a very long time I'm teaching a semester long class. So, mm -hmm. you know, you're eight, you know, it's, it's just amazing how you're able to do that on, a, a, you know, throughout a whole, uh, say, 12 week period. Um, but it's not impossible to do it in one shots, you know, like where you just get to know somebody and be like, hey, whenever you come by, um, you know, just just come by and talk and like, like research. It's actually interesting because a lot of times I see uh, librarians when, say, if you're tabling or if, if you go up to a research desk, librarians just start talking. It's just like, instead of talking, just have them talk. Mm. And, you know, just ask a question, be like, hey, where are you from? You know, like, where are you from? How are you doing? You know, like, you know, like, just, just find out, like, you know, what's their, you know, like, their deal before you throw them the pamphlet of services and resources that you have. Um, because it's important to listen because uh, building the relationships are probably more important. At least for me, you know, their the relationships are more important so that they can kind of, you know, like come to me later on for research ideas. Right. That's yeah. an interesting idea. Just, you know, listen first. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> listen first. But how you, how's your day going? Yeah. <laughs> the novel idea, right? <laughs> I think that throws them off when you ask them that. Because I try, whenever I have to work the desk, I, I ask them, is like, oh, hey, how's it going? And some of them pause for a second, and they're like, are you talking to me? <laughs> yes, I'm talking to you. You know, what's, you, know what's, you know what's pretty amazing? And, like, it's little things like this that, that amaze me that sometimes. So I don't, I don't know if you listen to the WTF podcast with Mark Maron. And um, so – I, I listen to him all the time because he's, he's, that's the, you know, the podcast. Yeah. So the great thing, the great thing about him is that he always ends, you know, he's really into talking with building a relationship in his interviews. And the great thing at the end of every conversation, he's just like, you good? I'm good. I'm good. Are you good? So at the end <laughs> of every class, I and my classes are, are just like, okay, so that's all I've got. Are you guys good? And everybody seems surprised that I ask that question all the time. Like I actually care about how they're feeling or their welfare. And it's a kind of important, you know, like they're, they're, they're like, yeah, yeah, we're, we're doing pretty good. Thank you. <laughs> and like, yeah, like, yeah, like, so I'm like, I'm just really surprised that there's actually that, that even kind of reaction. It's just like, yeah, like they, this past last week, I asked, are we good? And this one student was just like, so good. <laughs> that was <just> like awesome. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, I was like, so good. I was just like, all right, great. Come, come visit us then. That's great. Well, well, thank you so much for all of these uh, great ideas and great tips. 
I know. Um, I feel super motivated. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. I mean, I have some instruction coming up in the next few weeks, so I'm going to try and uh, try these out and see see how it goes. I'll, I'll, I'll hopefully share a triumph in the upcoming episodes. We'll see. Oh, sure. So speaking of triumphs um, or fails, we are going to move into our segment now where we share a work triumph um, and or a work fail. Um, As our guest, Ramel, would you like to start? Um, Triumphs? I think think the well we've talked about most of the time is like the triumph is that that the you know the 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 learn the lesson plan I have for that one class because I think it works really well right now and it's so it's such a learning experience for me every single time you know how to adapt you know how to adapt it how to change it like this year like I actually oh there was one thing you know like uh I would have them search the information and so they would they would find the article that they're supposed to find they find the article and I'd be like okay that's the title and so what I was doing before was moving on to the next question which is like what's the citation for it but instead, this year I'm going to the website, and I think maybe I've I would have showed them where the database was. But this year I show them the website and just go, so where did you find it? And so then the students start talking, and you know like, oh, I used the main search bar right there, or um, or I I went to the A to Z database list. And I was just like, oh, that's really good. And, and then what? Someone out of the blue, you know, like four classes down. Um, Someone out of the blue was just like, oh, I used the journal finder because it was the New York Times. So I was just like, wow. So like, so like you start to discover, you know, the different ways that they actually use and learn how to use the website. And they, they figured out different paths and I can just scaffold it and be like, all right, well, there's actually five ways you can get to the New York Times because that's what the article. So that's kind of a triumph in, in that lesson plan. There's not only stuff for the students to learn. I'm learning every day because of how the students interact with it. So that's that's uh, that's pretty cool. Um, and then um, a fail would you know like a fa- oh you know what you know what I, I think a fail was from like last semester. I started teaching a, a workshop in data visualization, and um, which which was just kind of like an informational session about uh, data visualization. And it got packed, and I was just like, uh, it got really busy. And now you know like workshops, you know like four or five people show up and stuff like that. This one I had like 20 people show up. Wow. And so I was just like, wow, this is great. But they were actually wanting to learn how to do it. And I was just like, oh, I think <laughs> you're in the wrong class. Wow. <laughs> you know, because because you have to remember these are these are data scientists. You know, these are people that are actually data scraping. And like, I'm just like, I'm just showing you how to use Google Maps. <laughs> you know, like, you know, like, I'm just like, I'm not going to teach you jQuery or J libraries or stuff like that. So um, that was kind of like, it was it was a success in that, wow, there's actually an interest for this subject. Yeah. But then, wow, I have to really change what I'm teaching about this because because they're expecting something else. Right. They were actually lear- want to learn how to do it where all I wanted to show you what it was um, either the tools available to you or the resources that the library have so that you can learn how to do it. Right. And we took a little time out from that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thanks for sharing. Jessica, you want to share? Sure. So uh, today I 
taught two classes um, for standardized instruction that I haven't taught yet since I've been at my new job. So Ramel, I don't know if you know, um, I just started at Pace University um, in September. So nice. I've only been in this instruction position for two months. And so this is the first in a set of standardized instruction we do for an English class. And so I was really pumped to try something new because I've kind of been doing the same stuff for the past few weeks. So uh, I did the classes and they went well. Uh, the assessments came out great. Students were understanding and meeting the learning outcomes. So I count that as a triumph. But um, I think my fail is kind of along the lines of what we talked to Ramel about today was I even felt watching the students that I had a little too much lecture and demo, that mm -hmm. I was starting to lose them after a while. And, you know, it was the first time I've been doing the classes and we have the set learning outcomes and I can do what I want with it. And I just wasn't very adventurous in my lesson planning, but I feel really motivated by this conversation to really flip it and make it more discussion based and more focused on critical thinking than just, you know, here's how you find the research. Now you do it. I think I'm going to flip it. You do it and let's talk about it. Yeah. So. so my work fail and my work triumph are connected. So my fail is I went into an English, like a one-on-one class and it was a workshop. I only go into a class if I can do a workshop with them. I don't do me stand up and talk the whole time. So the fail is that even with the workshop component, I was losing the students. Like they were just very chatty with each other. Half the class was paying attention and then the other half wasn't. And I was just like, I'm losing these students. And I mm -hmm. just felt like I just lost control of the room. And so I tried to get them back. I, pull, I tried to pull them in and it just, I just felt like it was a fail. Mm -hmm. And I, then I had one student who really threw me off and the topic was just, hate to sound so mean here, but the topic was just terrible. And I, I, I didn't want to tell the student their topic was terrible, but like, it really was like they had to, he wanted to write about, uh, Argentine, Argentina and, um, Brazil and like this, like competitiveness that they have with each other. Yeah. yeah like yeah. he, he was so against using the library resources, no matter what. And like, I couldn't flip them. And then like, it just threw me all off and it was just a hot mess. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like I just spiraled from there. But then, <laughs> so I got through the session, we got through the workshop and then later that day I was covering the desk and two students were passing and one student was in the class and she said to her other student, she wasn't even looking at me, didn't even think I was paying attention. She said, have you ever had this librarian in your class before? And he's like, no. And she's like, she's amazing. You need to take one of her classes. Yeah, nice. She did such a good workshop. And I was just like, yes. Yeah. I was so excited that, you know, even though I might have not have reached that one particular student, there were students who still found value in the, the workshop. So I love that because sometimes I get the same thing when I read the post feedback evaluations that mm -hmm. I have them do in a form. And it's just like, I think that I've lost them the whole time. And then I read the feedback and it's like, she was excellent. I really felt like I was prepared for what I had to do and I was really engaged. And I was like, you didn't look engaged, but I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because I always tell people that, the, the, you know, a lot of times the, the, the quiet ones in the back are probably the most engaged ones. Yes. You know, because they're really listening. 
And for whatever reason, you know, like, you know, whatever reason of intimidation, you know, racism, sexism, or just the power structures of, of classroom structures, mm-hmm. um, you know, like they, they, they don't feel like speaking or they, or their voices have never been validated, you know? So, mm-hmm. so yeah, like, so it's always important that they are listening, you know, it's like when you have a kid, you know, like you're trying to whisper over here and they're like, we can hear you. <laughs> you know, like, you're like, they're, they're listening, they're listening and they're, they're, they're trying to learn from you. Right. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So again, thank you so much for uh, being our guest for our third episode. Um, Fourth. Fourth. Oh, (laughs) sorry. No, you know, we, we're releasing our third episode tomorrow. Oh, okay. So I'm a little (laughs) off. (laughs) So I can probably, I'm going to edit that out. So, um, Thank you. For oh, it's actually, it's actual not nice. It's authentic. Yeah, <laughs> authentic. That's true. I try not to edit too much out, but you know, yeah, it's authentic. sometimes it's just the gaps and the, the silence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, thanks. No, but thank you so much for having me. This has been fun. Uh, Jessica, you want to share where people can find us? Sure. Everybody can find me on Twitter at librarygeek611. And you can find Amanda at historybuff820. And you can send us an email at infolitteachingpodcast at gmail.com. We are also now available on iTunes. So be sure to find us on there and subscribe and rate the podcast. And also send us an email or a tweet to share your questions, ideas for potential discussions, or your triumphs and fails in the classroom. You can also hashtag your tweets with hashtag librarians guide to teaching. We want your feedback and questions and encourage you to share your triumphs and fails to be read on an upcoming episode. I also want to share that the podcast also now has its own Twitter page. You can find the podcast at librarian underscore guide. We hope to see you follow us on Twitter and continue the conversation there. Thanks.